Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, of course, the one thing, by the way, that uh, I will say is, and the one negative thing that has come out of the coronavirus is there are many, many stories that are happening around the world. There's still wars going on. There's still people being murdered. There's still people dying. There's still domestic violence. There's still rape. Um, there's still people being abused. And none more so, of course, than the report that's come out in the last few days. And child sexual abuse was tolerated at the highest levels of former scouting organisations with the crimes of those who preyed on children covered up to protect the reputation of the movement. A damning report has just concluded this. And there is evidence that groups of six offenders operated at the top of Scouting Ireland's legacy organisations to protect each other and facilitate child abuse. And this is according to a report by a child protection expert, Ian Elliott. Uh, The government is to consider the findings of the report and decide whether a statutory inquiry into historic abuse may be required. However, there are concerns over whether such an inquiry would be able to uncover substantially more information, according to sources. Now, just to be clear, by the way, this report doesn't mean that anybody should be held culpable criminally because it's only a report. For that, you would have to have a criminal trial, I suppose. Uh, There has been many criminal trials, by the way, in relation to different people who have been sexually abused. We will talk to one of those victims a little bit later on. But Scouting Ireland made a full organisational apology on foot of the report's publication on Thursday. And the historic abuse uh, relates to the Catholic Boy Scouts of Ireland and the Scout Association of Ireland, which merged to form Scouting Ireland back in 2004. The report said that one of the legacy bodies was a seriously dysfunctional organisation with sex offenders dominating the leadership for decades. This is almost like when I went back to when I was working on radio back in um, 2001 on another radio station and the reports were coming out, the Ryan Report, the Murphy Report, the Cloyne Report, all in relation to the Catholic Church. And this is more or less a similar situation we have now in relation to Scouting Ireland and I suppose people who had access to young children. And it's a shocking, shocking, shocking story. If you get a chance, try to read the report and what seemed to be rampant. Now, one in four, a charity for survivors of child sexual abuse, said efforts should be made to bring perpetrators of such abuse to justice. And they join me on the line, Deirdre Kenny, who's the Deputy CEO and the Advocacy Director of One in Four, the Charity for Child Sexual Abuse, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Deirdre. Good morning, or good afternoon. How are you doing? This is reminiscent. When I was working on radio back in 2001 and we had the Cloyne and the Murphy and all the different reports, the Ryan Report, all the different reports that we had in relation to child sexual abuse within the Catholic Church, and here we are, here we are again. You know, we thought that kind of stuff could never happen. Mind you, I know a lot of this is historical, uh, but we didn't think we'd be seeing more of this. I mean, it's a shocking report. I have to say, I thought the same thing yesterday when I read the report. It's um, it, it definitely echoes very similar, I suppose, chapters that we would have read in both the Murphy and Klein and Ryan report. Um, mm. But it's it's there's something about this that seems quite devastating um, in terms of the serial offending that went on at the hands of people in power in the organisations that are reviewed in, in the in the report. And see, maybe for younger people today, they won't understand, I suppose, the legacy that went with this. I mean, I was in the Cubs. I'm 56. I was in the Cubs. And I remember I didn't like it, so I never went down to the Scouts. But my mother, or, or sorry, so I remember all my friends, they were all in the Scouts. And in those days, they went off on retreats and they went off on weekends and... Um, it just seems that many children were sexually abused and similar to the Catholic Church, it was a case of if they if a complaint was made about a scout leader, predominantly male scout leaders, if a, if a complaint was made, he was just moved to another part of the organisation or just moved somewhere else. 
that certainly seems to be the case. And the learning review highlights, I suppose, the cronyism, as it calls it, that went on in the higher ranks of the organisation. And it really outlines how children were not put first and how the reputations and the disclosures made were protected by both um, serial offenders, but also by non-offending people in the organisation. Now, there were good people in the organisations that that tried to bring these issues to the fore, but were put under pressure not to do so. Um, so it's, it's quite hard to, I suppose, understand now when you look back. But what we have to keep in mind is the hundreds of people who were impacted by this behaviour. And that the report being published yesterday will bring again to the fore their trauma. Um, and I think it's really important that that's recognised and survivors have come out and called for the a statutory inquiry and I guess that's really this report while it details the dysfunction of the organisation it doesn't detail the the incidences of abuse or um, the harm that was caused in in maybe in a way that that other reports have so I can completely understand their need to have a statutory inquiry. I mean when when I look back you know at 56 years of age when we talk about the Catholic Church by the way and we talk about Scouting Ireland now and, and these organisations these legacy organisations that would have been involved in the Cubs and the Scouts and the Girl Guides and <clears throat> everything else and all these other organisations that would have had a lot of access to children and particularly I suppose the Catholic Church because they had the power as well I mean that a, lot of the, a lot of this is to do with power too that you would have that authority or figure of authority that we would never in a million years accuse of doing something wrong but there was always a sense and I don't know I don't want to ask your age but, but there was always a sense in those days back in the 70s um, that everybody knew what was going on but nobody ever said anything and I find that almost even myself that you know we knew as kids oh he's a bit dodgy you know what I mean oh don't stand too close to him and all that kind of stuff was said about people but nobody ever really took it seriously and I think now in 2020 I don't know why people didn't take that seriously now some people did and made complaints but as you rightly said you know there was uh, cronyism and you know sure people said ah sure he wouldn't do that or just stop for God's sake don't dare complain about him he's a pillar of society and these people were pillars of society they were. And, and what made them pillars of society was the silence that was around them about their behaviour. I think it's really important to acknowledge, doesn't matter what organisation it is or what time frame we're talking about, sexual abuse in society generally, um, it, it propels shame and guilt on the part of the victim, which creates a silence. And there establishes that really, really innate power dynamic. And that gets spread throughout communities, throughout families, it's the same dynamic. If we, we the work we do now is um, more with families than it's ever been, and it's a very similar dynamic. Um, where there's secrecy and shame and guilt, there will be silence, and the person who has the power in that dy- dynamic becomes more powerful. And you can imagine how that would happen in an organisation when you're talking about um, cronyism and decision making and hiding secrets. It becomes absolutely endemic, and that seems to be what. Ian Elliot and mm. um, certainly discovered in this situation. I mean, I mean we it, look at we look at the figures anywhere. by the way, three hundred and fifty six alleged victims, two hundred and seventy five perpetrators, which suggests some of the perpetrators were serial perpetrators, um, who primarily operated between the nineteen sixties and nineteen nineties. That's obviously as far as we go back. It probably goes back further than that. And those figures are a conservative guesstimate, I imagine, as well. A lot of those there's probably a lot more who just haven't come forward. Exactly. And that's always going to be the case. And that's why I can really you know, understand why other victims who have come forward would like to see a clearer picture of actually what happened. 
Um, um, what I wonder, and Ian speaks about in his review, that a lot of the files were held um, by individuals, for instance, in their own homes, and he may not have had access to all the information. And I would suggest that that information, all of that information should be handed to the Gardaí to, to carry out a full investigation, especially if a statutory inquiry is not established, because that, that is key. And it's key for survivors to know that an independent, I suppose, statutory authority has had sight of this information and could fully explore it. And I would say the Gardaí are probably best place to do that. Yeah, well, they're saying that if they did have an inquiry, that they don't know whether they would uncover substantial, well, any more information at all in relation to it, that obviously um, Ian Elliott has done such a good job in his own report in relation yes, to this. excellent. Um, but, it, of course, the, the report is just a report. There will be no criminal charges out of this report. It's just a report, um, unfortunately. And many of those cases, are you aware, Deirdre, that are still ongoing? Now, we'll be talking to one victim in a few minutes, but many of those cases are you aware of that are still ongoing? Or Many people have actually gone behind bars. Um, I, I know there have been some convictions, but I guess it's very difficult to put the pieces together in terms of um, the stories that Ian is talking about versus um, individuals who have been impacted by scout leaders who've come forward and gone to the guards. And that mm-hmm. may not be possible um, to do that unless a statutory inquiry is established. Um, I guess what, what is really important is that if there are survivors out there that that um, that need support. Obviously, it's important that they get professional, independent support. One of the things that had been established was a helpline by Scouting Ireland, um, and people have been encouraged to use that, which is, is fine and good. But I guess some people would see a conflict of interest there, and it would be important that survivors have a choice um, and know that that, it, that they there is other places that they can get that support. Um, like yourselves, for example. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and by the way, if there are people listening, um, I want to give out that number now. It's 01662-4070. That's 01662-4070 if you wanted to contact one of four. It's a shocking, shocking story, and I'm sure it's not the last we're going to hear of it, Deirdre. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more will come out uh, we'll hope next so. year. And, and you know what? It's, it's pretty sad that it's come out at this time because um, I'm finding a lot of really, really important news, and this is really, really important news, is not getting the coverage that it should get, unfortunately, because of coronavirus and COVID-19. But it is important, I think, that we really talk about it. And I think when hopefully when we're past all this, I think it's important we bring it back up again. Absolutely. It needs to be kept on the agenda for sure. And especially if the next government, um, I think that's one of the other issues in terms of of a statutory inquiry, that they keep this on the agenda. Listen, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air, Deirdre Kelly. Thank you. Uh, All right, by the way, that number, once again, if you do want to contact um, one and four, you can, or you have been a victim, or you just want somebody to talk to in relation to, or you want to get advice, it's 01, it's a double number, double six two forty seventy. Now, in relation to those, and as I mentioned already, the shocking story of 356 alleged victims and 275 perpetrators, one of those victims was a man called Paul O'Toole, and Paul joins me on the line. Paul, good afternoon to you. Good morning, how's it going? Or afternoon. Uh, Paul, how are you you feeling since this report came out? I know it doesn't solve any problems, uh, and in saying that, by the way, you were abused, obviously, and your abuser, uh, David O'Brien, went to jail. He is in jail as we speak. But it doesn't solve the problem for you because it doesn't make it go away. It's just a report as such. It's just what you knew already, I suppose. Yeah, I I kind of question what was the point of the report, actually, because... All it seems to do, and it states in its own uh, writing there, that it's, uh, it's to uh, look for problems that exist and move on from them. It's, uh, it, well, it's to make sure we don't make the same things. mistakes again, I suppose. That's the main yeah. reason for it, isn't so, it? 
So why tell anyone about it? Just go off and fix your stuff and be done with it, you know. Don't uh, bother making a big report. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me from my point of view as a victim. It, it, there's nothing in it for victims, I don't think, you know. It's, it's, uh, it says the intention is not to allocate blame to specific individuals, but to fully acknowledge mistakes. Yeah. Now, here's the word I have a problem with, the calling it a mistake. Mistakes that have been previously made. Uh, I, I said yesterday on a radio show that mistake is born in the toast or taking a wrong turn in Wicklow when you're looking for somewhere, you know. It's not ignoring an abuser, yeah. Raping a child is not a mistake. It's a criminal act. You have to put the right words on these things. And this this uh, report, there's an awful lot of promoting and backslapping in this report of how good they are and how the volunteers... You know, if you see a crime happening, you, just because you're in the scouts doesn't mean you're, you're all of a sudden uh, a hero because you volunteer some information. You know, anyone would do it. It's, it's in anyone's innate ability to have a conscience and do something when they see something being wrong. This whole report is all about backstabbing each other. I could read through it, and it's, uh, it, it's slightly nauseating to me to read uh, line after line of how brilliant they all consider each other. It's a, and I understand, as a victim, Paul, I, I do, or yeah. survivor, I don't know what the right word nowadays to use, or, but I, I understand mm. how you would feel reading that report, because you knew all yeah. this already. And, I mean, you're, what happened to you, you were sexually abused, and you were in the, uh, the Kilmore Troop, and this is where O'Brien was a leader back in the 1970s. And yeah. I suppose these people took advantage of the fact that parents trusted them with their children to take them off to kind of remote, remote, remote locations on camp or retreats or whatever it happened to be. Yeah. And I mean, there were complaints made about this guy. And yet he stayed yeah. in the organisation. He was only removed officially from the organisation in 2018. At that stage, he was in jail. Yeah, he was, uh, went to jail in 2015. 15th of November 2015, David Brown did. And yet he was only removed officially from the organisation in 2018. Uh, that could be something else you're thinking of there. Okay. Brian has been a, a vagabond and a street fortune for the last couple of years, last good few years now. He's living in a, a wet shelter down on Ben Bob Street uh, up to the time he went to prison. But, uh, but there are people who was in the scouts who were con- uh, not convicted, but they were reported and who were in it up to like last year or the year before. RT Investigates done a big thing there. Uh, Philip Galler and uh, Una mm-hmm. Smith only played a report on it there last year. And they helped push this thing forward as well as uh, other radio shows around the country, you know. So, uh, and why, why do you think they got away with it? I mean, what age would you have been when, I suppose, when he started behaving the way he yeah. did towards you? What age were you at that stage? Yeah, well, I was born in 63 and I joined in, in Same age as me. Yeah. Four. And uh, I was 11. And I was joined the Cubs, but I was too, I was on the verge of too old for the Cubs and just right the age to start scout. So I started scout as a very young boy. And, uh, I was 11 and I was about 12 when the abuse started. And I went on for about two years, uh, on and off, uh, on different camping trips. And I. And did he, then, by the way, one of the traits of these types of individuals, uh, I don't know if it happened in your case, was they tended to befriend the parents of the child they were abusing to gain trust. I mean, were these scout leaders, were they friendly with your parents, or did your parents, were they? Yeah. Now, this guy, you know, I, I tell you, I, in my police statement, in uh, the in victim impact statement in court, I described how he groomed our whole neighbourhood. Like, he was considered, uh, back in the day, people trusted each other back in the 60s. There was a great trust. Of course there was, No one yeah. locked their hall door, no one locked their car, bikes were left out in the street. Yeah, neighbours looked after Both friends, balls, children, all that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. We borrowed each other's bikes, neighbours looked after each other's kids, everybody watched out for each other, all the, and our street was special that way. We lived down, our back street was our lead. Yeah. 
down in our time there. Yeah. And uh, I know Eddie it. Rose, uh, and the, the what do you call it? Um, I made feel drive the 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 whole street just a sea of kids all summer. Yeah. And Dave O'Brien would walk onto that street, and his kids would rally up to him. It's like the Pied Piper. And parents loved him, uh, and we loved him, and he was respected and trusted. And he, what he was doing was he was grooming his way through the whole neighborhood. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the damage he'd done, I, I look at it like, uh, by the time he went to prison, it took 40 years to get justice for me. And he admitted to molesting and raping 60 kids. And if you multiply 60 kids by 40 years, that's 2,400 years of absolute agony that one man planted in our neighbourhood. That's just a simple mathematical... Okay, just for people, uh, who, if they want information, you know, right, he was convicted of indecent yeah. assault um, uh, and um, this was in 2015 and he mm-hmm. was jailed for four and a half years and in 2019 he was convicted of sexual assault of a further four people and received a six and a half year sentence which I imagine yeah. would run concurrently. So, yeah. he, so he'll be out in probably four years. Yeah, well, there's more coming down after him as well. Yeah. But, but that's the good thing about uh, us going public. I think the, the reason we've done it, the, 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 the state's uh, the prosecutor turned around to us, uh, the public, what do we call her, uh, DPP, yeah. turned around to us in the court. When that question came up, and there's three of us sitting there, and says, uh, do you guys want to go uh, public with this, or do you want to remain anonymous? The three of us nodded our heads at the same time. Yeah. hadn't even discussed it with each other. Me, uh, Dave Smith, and Colin Bracken, the three of us decided we're going to go public uh, to bring more cases forward. And we did. And David Bryan had a lot of cases come after him now. And there's another one that was there. Uh, when we walked out of court that day, uh, I was, uh, it was an, an elation. There was something, like, something fantastic just happened. And Dave Smith was, was jumping around. Not jumping around, but we were relatively, uh, yeah. you know. And I looked at Colin and I said to Colin, what's up with you, man? I said, something's up with you. I couldn't figure it out. I said to him, what's wrong, Connie? And he said, what? And there's two men that, that abused my friend Colin Bracken. Okay, okay well, we, we, put, we, 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 we won't talk about those cases today. And, and yeah, we put him yeah, away. Oh, they were convicted, uh, sorry. Colin put him away. Yeah. And it's, it's not over yet, you know? Yeah, no, story. no, it's, it's, it's not over yet. And, and I know for a lot of victims out there listening today, listen to you, it's just heartbreaking, Paul, to listen to what you went through. And I know putting somebody in jail is not the answer. It doesn't heal it for you. It doesn't make it go away. Yeah. But it does, finally, I suppose, for everybody, yeah. people, as we, when we spoke to Deirdre a few minutes ago from one and four, the biggest fear at the time is that you don't want to tell anybody because you think no one will believe you because this is such a wonderful guy. As you mentioned, he's like the Pied Piper of the area. Every kid yeah, loves him. Every yeah. parent trusted him. And if you came forward and said, well, he was doing something to me that he shouldn't have been doing, they'd be kind of rubbishing your statements and saying, ah, I'm so yeah. silly. He wouldn't do that to you. Yeah, there's a huge dynamic about grooming and uh, who they groom. It's very, very sinister. You know, there's an awful lot of psychology written about it and the the level that they can operate at. It's like another radio station that no one else can tune into. Yeah. And they tune into you somehow with kids. They just do it and they have a, a knack of charming beyond anyone's recognition. And did other uh, kids, like in, in, obviously apart from yourself, did other kids, yeah. you know, that way in the troop, did people know that he was a dubious character? Because I remember when I was in school, uh, back in, you know, in secondary school in the Dallas Isle many, many years ago, there was a, one particular teacher, a Christian brother, 
and everyone was always saying, oh, Jay, you wouldn't want to go near him, Jay, he's a bit dodgy. Yeah. Was that kind of conversation happening? Did people Were people aware that this guy was up to something or was everybody thinking Asher's just innocent fun? I mean, yeah. what, what were they thinking or what were they saying? It was rumour. I, I heard, the only thing I ever heard was a joke being made about him one time when I look back on all these years. And there was a, a troop down in Western Rowan Town. He was attached to them as well. And they had rabbits. And there was a joke saying that uh, one of the, the, the rabbits had rabbits, you know, the way the rabbits yeah, were yeah. And uh, there was a joke saying that Dave, Dave O'Brien was the father because he's basically having sex with the rabbits, you know. Right, okay. And it was just a joke, fun. And it was just, you wouldn't know to take it seriously or not. But I yeah. know I did. I, and another fellow who told that joke, and I've never confronted him on it because I wouldn't, you know, you don't want to bring up, you don't know what's there. And when was, oh, uh, the, when was the first time that you confronted this and that you went or decided, I need to talk to somebody about this, I need to go to the authorities? When was the first time you did that? Well, I, I didn't. The first time I went to the authorities was 1992. And I, I, was, I got sober by then. I had an awful time with uh, alcohol and drugs. Yeah. And uh, what do you call it? I've been uh, off it now like 30 years. But in 1992, I went to the police for the first time. And the first time, uh, my wife, uh, we've known each other since we were kids. Uh, the first time she ever heard the whole story was in court. She was, she was in tatters, you know. I, 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 you yeah. don't tell people. I didn't even tell my own wife uh, what was going on. Because, it's, well, because I imagine that abuse changed the direction of your life. I mean, it yeah. destroyed your life. It's a, there's, there's two horrible, not two horrible questions. I had a great uh, therapist, uh, Karen Wallace. She's, uh, she told me, uh, she asked me a question one time. Says, what would you like have been like if you hadn't met David O'Brien? And it took me about six weeks to even start wording, putting words around that of uh, intense therapy uh, to come to thing. And then when I finally got through that one, the next big question was, uh, would you change anything? Would you, would you go, would, if you could change it, would you change it? And there are two huge dynamic questions, you know, in, in, in my therapy that was, uh, was years. And do you think, yeah, do you, I mean, I, I'm sure it would have been, but I, I don't even think that I need to ask you that question, but do you think your life would have been terribly different if this hadn't have happened to you? Your life would have taken a completely different direction. I mean, yeah, do, do, you uh, feel, do you feel like you've had your life robbed, basically? Well, you do. And do you know what the funny thing, I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question again because it brings me back to something I wanted to say you brought up earlier. When we were leaving, uh, we went to RT to do some news and uh, we seven Colin were coming back uh, at the north side and... Uh, we were driving the road, and we were, t- we were talking to each other. We are always bouncing off each other, you know, saying, yeah. uh, I say, you don't know a collie, but you've come a long way in the last year, you know. And he'd say something You're supporting me. each other, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we'd see it before. He'd see it in me before I'd see it in me, and likewise with him. But I was saying to him last night, I said, do you know what it feels like since we met in that courtroom that day? Because when I went to the court, I didn't know who I was going to meet. Yeah. I didn't know if David Bryan had molested any other kids. Or I was just the one. I was just bringing him on my own. And who I, I meet Collie in there, that's our force. We, I hadn't seen Collie in probably 35 years. And uh, there you are, sitting in court. Of course, we, we've become fast friends now, you know. And here we are driving up the road. And uh, I said, you know what it's like? It's like for years you're, 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 on, you're on ground and it's nothing but greasy, slippy shit only. And you just can't get anywhere. Every time you get up off your knees, you fall again. And for 40 years, you're getting and trying to move. And you're like you're walking, but you're getting nowhere. And it's like when the court case comes along and someone throws a bit of sand onto that slippy surface. Just so you can get a grip back on your life you again. Better it. And it says, I, I don't know where I am now, Collie. I don't know where I'm going. But I'm not there. There, there's, there, there was a there and I'm not there anymore. Now I'm here. And now I have some perspective. For the first time 
in 40 years of perspective because I've moved from where I was. Because when you're abused, you're stuck. What would you like to say to him, by the way? If you, I mean, have you spoken to David O'Brien since the allegations you made against him and the and the conviction and everything else? Have you spoken to him at all? Uh, apart from I the went, victim impact statement that you would have made. No, well, I went in 1991, 1992. Uh, I came back to Dublin and I went and knocked on his door. And I'd done a few things while I was here on, on a small trip. Uh, and one was to go to meet him. And basically it was just to... I, I'd carried so much anger and pain. I just wanted to meet him and dump it on him. So I did. I just said it was... Uh, it, I had nothing to do. The only part I played in that whole thing is that I was there. I had mm-hmm. no other part in it. Because yeah. I blamed myself. Was I just too pretty? Was I too good-looking? Or was I too demure or too... Was I sensual in a way that I shouldn't have been? Like I was but you were a myself. child. But you were a child. I, I know, but you know, twelve-year-old kid. I knew nothing about sex. Completely innocent. And yeah, it, as an adult, I'd, I'd look back on that child and say, "Was he too provocative to this man? Is that why it happened?" It's it, it's a self-blame. It's a cycle that has to be broken through therapy and through help and also any broken anyway can break it. And, if you, and, I, and, and just finally, Paul, if you, if you could say something to him now, because obviously now he's been through the trial, he's gone to jail, maybe he's reflected a little bit on what he's done. I don't know whether he's remorseful. Um, about what, Was he asked to make a statement at the end of the case, by the way? was he? Did, or did he seem remorseful at all? No, he's, I think he's probably drugged out of it. He's on uh, probably all sorts of... Mm. Like, uh, what would you call it? Uh, Sedated, drugs. sedated. He looked, he looked okay. sedated. Yeah. Okay. And if you could say yeah. some, if you could say something to him now that he's been through all this and maybe has some sort of recognition as to what he's done to yourself and to to Kali, as you call him, and Mister Bracken and and many other victims who yeah. are probably going to come forward in the future, what would you say to him? I don't know. I think uh, I'd like to get him in. Half of me wants to kill him. I'd love to be like, a, give me a baseball bat in a room in five minutes. Or maybe give me a, a well, that's, room. that's an emotional reaction that everybody would have, of course, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I wouldn't do that. But if I was going to talk to him, I don't know, maybe I'd want him to speak to me first and see. I'd probably want to know why. Uh, was it worth it? For the moment, which, all the way, it hit me. I'm very practical, I think, sometimes, you know, when I talk about um, uh, like you multiply 60 kids, multiply by 40 years, it's 2,400 years of agony that that one man dropped on our neighbourhood. Uh, another number is for the moments of pleasure that he got, which there were moments he put them into seconds or maybe a minute yeah, or two yeah. at a time that he got out of it. The terror for me lasted longer because it would have been like a half an hour or an hour or a couple of hours in the woods with him. But so my terror was a couple of hours, but his pleasure was minimalistic. It was seconds and minutes, uh, half a dozen times with me. And for those, that pleasure, he destroyed what was left of my life from time I was 11 up to almost the present day. And I would want to know, was it worth it? Was, was, what, was it, what in it, what? what For those few seconds of, of pleasure, was it worth destroying your life? And he yeah. did destroy your life. Yeah, yeah. Well, it fought hard to get it back and it's yeah. back, but it's, uh, they're, they're the questions, they're, they're, they're the kind of mathematical questions, they're I not know. psychological. I know, I know. But yeah, the other side of it is, I, I have to forgive him, I have to find uh, forgiveness for him. Not for him. I find forgiveness for him, for me, because I can't live with the anger. The anger would, would do well, me well, in. He's, well, he's, near, but, he's uh, in jail now and he's nearly 70 and yeah. hopefully he'll spend a lot more years in there too. 
He won't get out, yeah. But yeah, I would hopefully. like to say to other fellas and uh, if they're there, you know, don't lose hope. He said, if this report is bringing you down, that's what I was thinking about this morning or morning. If you see this report and there's nothing in it for you, that's okay. Because we're in the process now of getting there. Uh, we're going to, I'm not going to sit on this, spend the rest of it for another 40 years to fight to get a review into Scouting Ireland, a proper review, which is this is, uh, to me, it's an improper review. It has no teeth. Uh, he was hired by Scouting Ireland to come in and do a job, and he's done it. And even in it, he describes we, he includes himself, he's not isolating himself from the organisation. He's using the word we. The wording is, is unbelievable, and I won't go into too much detail. Okay. But if, there, if there's victims out there, uh, come forward. I'd like them to know that, you know, the, the war's not over. It's a, no, it's no, I, I see. I, you know what? I think this is only the tip of the iceberg. It's just like yeah. at the very start when the first reports come out about the Catholic Church, uh, this is yeah. like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this report is now going to encourage, and you're interviewed today, and we spoke to one and four a few minutes ago, and we will talk about it again. Um, I think it's going to encourage more people to think about what happened to them and the experience yeah. that you had, Paul. Maybe they had similar experiences, and now they'll come forward. And, of course, this guy was quite prolific, obviously. But, I mean, when you look yeah. at the figures, and these are just guessing figures at the moment, you know what I mean, 356 victims and 275 yeah. uh, perpetrators, which means some of those were serial perpetrators. Um, yeah. Clearly, I mean, there was a lot going on that should well, have uh, Dave O'Brien done 60 kids, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just absolutely. Just one. Yeah. And the few more that we do know of done multiple. I'm not, I'm not talking yeah. about uh, yeah. two yeah. or three. I'm talking about in tens and dozens, you know. Well, listen, um, Paul, thank you very much indeed for coming on the air. No, you're a gentleman. Thanks a million for having us on. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks and, so. Paul, I'm sure we'll talk to you again. I'd like to talk to you again. All Absolutely. Right. Love to, yeah. Okay. You thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Okay. No yeah. problem at all. All right, Paul. Thank so, thanks very much Bye-bye. indeed. Uh, there you go. There's uh, Paul O'Toole, who is the victim of. Um, David O'Brien, who is now languishing in jail, nearly 70 years of age, and hopefully he's a few more cases to go come uh, before he gets out of jail. Hopefully he'll spend the rest of his life there and never see the light of day again. What a shocking, shocking story. Maybe you've been in that position. If you want to come forward, remember we did give you the number already for one and four as well. You can come forward and talk to them as well. 6624070. Or indeed you can go to Angarda Sheikhan if you want to make an allegation against anybody. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.